Good morning and welcome to episode 67 of the Jaguar Report podcast. My name is Gus Logue, joined by my co-host John Shipley. Episode 67, John. That's pretty Who would have thought? Who would have thought? <laughs> that, that good morning hits like a cup of coffee, dude. It, 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 it's the most comforting comforting thing. I, I, I just want you to know that, that mm-hmm. uh, every episode. It, it really is. 67 episodes, dude. Whew. Yeah, we made it up there. There is a time. I always get sideways glances for the good morning bit because, like, I just say good morning as like a hello to people, no matter what time it is. So it'll be like four o'clock in the office. Good morning. (laughs) What the? What are you talking about, man? But yeah, it's just a nice little way. It's it's pleasant, like you said. So I like starting off the pod with it. And sixty-seven episodes. Whew. Sixty-seven. There, there is definitely a time where we were like pulling teeth to even get one episode recorded. So I'm. I'm proud of us for keeping this momentum. And, and for the record, 98% my fault for all those times. So hmm. it's, I got a face for radio. I'm sure it's really you, but How was your uh, weekend off? It, it was good. I watched uh, UCF get their first Big 12 victory over historic Big 12 program, the Cincinnati Bearcats. They, <laughs> uh, they blew a fourth quarter lead and won when the Bearcats didn't get the two-point conversion. So that's always good. I mean, I'm just glad them and Florida State are two Florida teams who can win conference games. You know, mm-hmm. I, I know it was a I'm tough weekend for your boys. This week. Yeah, tough weekend for your boys. Yeah, I did not watch. I was I was on a canoe trip, actually, so I wasn't even in a there position to watch if I wanted to, too. But, um, yeah, I did a little uh, – Deliverance type weekend getaway, so that was pretty fun. <laughs> Don't say that. Don't, have you seen that movie? I, I haven't even seen it, but like people <laughs> like telling me like, "Oh, you should watch that." I'm like, "No." Like my dad said, he and his buddies went on a camping trip or a canoe trip 30 years ago, and they watched the movie, and he still talks about like how much the movie is. So I'm like, I'm not gonna watch it. <laughs> I I implore- people were like, "Ooh, Deliverance." I implore you to find another canoe movie next time you describe a canoe trip. <laughs> I want you when we're done. No, I was slipping it in there on purpose. I wanted to see like, what I got out of you. When we're done, I want you to go on Wikipedia and read the plot, and then you'll you'll see exactly. Okay, I'll what do that. I IMDb it for sure. Yeah. It, it's a it's a good movie. It's a good movie. Every time I hear banjos now, I think about it. Like it's got Jack in it, right? Does it, or am I making that up? No, it's got um. God, is it Bruce Willis? Not Bruce Willis. Good God. <laughs> oh, sorry. Bruce Willis. Scratch everything. Burt Reynolds. Burt Reynolds. Burt Reynolds. Mm, that. That's good, though. Do you know who John Voight is? Is that a name that... It, it rings a bell. There you go. Okay. There you go. Yeah, no. I, uh, it made me laugh, so mission accomplished. But for future <laughs> reference, do not tell people that you went on deliverance. Yeah, no, I know. <laughs> I know. You, I know it, do- it doesn't have a good ending. Well... No, the ending's fine. It's more so the oh. <laughs> middle. <laughs> it doesn't have a good ending for some members of the trip, maybe. Yeah. I mean, since you missed the Gators game, you could have just, you know, drilled some holes in the bottom of your canoe. It would have been same thing. I just um, – I prefer not to talk about it. I pretend I don't see it. Yeah, that's good stuff. Otherwise, it was pretty good. Sunday was good. I enjoyed watching the games until about 4.15 hit. In my entire timeline was people just going crazy over – not crazy over CJ Stroud, which he had an amazing game. He, in my opinion, had one of the best rookie – like, to me, like, rookie years is, like, RG3, Justin Herbert, Andrew Luck, and 
CJ Stroud right now. Honestly. Cam Newton was no one. Yeah, yeah. Cam, yeah. Cam, yeah. Cam, of course. And but the amount of people who were working themselves up in a tizzy about one, the debate between him and Trevor Lawrence, and then two, being upset that people are having a debate between him and Trevor Lawrence. That was God, man. I I, I if I if I wasn't terminally online, I would have logged off, but I can never log off. I was so I, do so. I, I instead just focused my energy on talking about how much better he is than Bryce Young. <laughs> yeah, I, I've I've talked so much crap about Bryce Young. He's gonna put up like three fifty and three touchdowns <laughs> when they play. And Panthers Twitter's gonna I, be on my ass. I thought about giving like the Panthers a win there in uh like my preseason or like when the uh schedule originally came out. I was like, I don't know, the Panthers could be like a little interesting by the end of the year. Uh so I ended up not giving them like the underdog W. Or the yeah. sneaky W, but like I was close to thinking it. And now at this point, it's like they just got the first one of the season, and then Bryce threw three picks, and he's not grown any. So, literally, <laughs> quite literally, hasn't grown in right. years. <laughs> well, uh, the the CJ thing, you kind of nailed it. Like he definitely deserves flowers, but then like when you bring up Lawrence in comparison, like it's a little ridiculous. Like I thought it was notable how you said like people weren't freaking out about CJ Stroud until four fifteen p.m. Like. The first half of the game was like he didn't have a bad first half, but wasn't like a lights out first half either. So like, I don't nobody, know. nobody was telling me to rank the AFC South quarterbacks a week earlier when he threw for like 150 yards. And that, that's not a knock on him. It just shows you that everybody's brain when it comes to football season is like a little hamster on a wheel, and it goes week to week, you know, to week to week. And Trevor throwing nine touchdowns, and a few, you know, he has fewer touchdown passes than Josh Dobbs this year. Did not yeah. know that. that, but yeah, I mean, that's, he had nine, so that wouldn't have surprised yeah. me. Yeah, so that certainly hasn't helped the case. So I I implored the Jaguars to throw more touchdown passes, not because it would help them be successful, but to ease my mentions. That, yeah, that, oh, that, absolutely. I second that. That's all I can. Like, I, I don't care if they lose the rest of your games. Throw a touchdown so I can stop arguing with people <laughs> online. But speaking of the Jags, big news. Obviously, last week was the trade deadline. Ezra Cleveland. I got up in my soapbox. I, I called Walker loser. Walker loser. Walker Little. Yeah. Walker Little, a loser of the trade. I called him the biggest loser of the trade. And then Doug Peterson just goes ahead and gives me an atomic wedgie and puts me in a dumpster and flips it over on top of my <laughs> head. Tells me to get the hell out of here. He, he I've been owned. I, I feel like I've tweeted that I've been owned like 10 times in the last two weeks. So I should probably just cool it with the proclamations but <laughs> walk a little jaguar starting left guard uh doug was pretty emphatic about it too like he went as far like to even call like ezra the backup on several points and he said that walker you know had of course earned it that's what they envisioned when cam first got suspended he said he liked what they saw when walker was at left guard all 11 snaps or so <laughs> <laughs> of it but it, i i'm surprised i i thought I thought Ezra would start right away, but maybe in my mind, like if Little started against San Francisco, Doug would just be like, yeah, we're getting Ezra back up to speed. We'll keep evaluating. And then you would see Ezra the next game. I'm surprised. I, I've I've been thoroughly owned, and I will take the L on that. Yeah, there you go. Have you been balky balled or just owned? <laughs> it, well, there's a universe where they make their moves just to make me look like an idiot. <laughs> And so at press conferences, they just point at me and go, you've been bulky ball. 
one of the sub, one of the many subplots of just like the sitcom that should be Jaguars media. <laughs> if, if if they if Trent ever like says to me, I've been bulky balled, I would never criticize anything he did. He he could pick another running back in the third round, and I, I would zip my lips. But it it, it like it, it was that, and it was like the what was it? The middle of the field thing when I said, Whoa, they're already throwing to the middle field of Christian and Ingram. Why didn't he do it with Ridley? And then I think you tweeted, uh, They were like an NFL low and thrown in the middle of the field. <laughs> Damn it. Stop owning yeah. me. Well, last week, I don't know, or two weeks ago against the Steelers, like I feel like the Ridley usage was pretty encouraging. Like he just was targeted on a few digs. And I think he didn't drop or he dropped or just didn't catch the two that I'm thinking of off the top of my head. But I think they did like a little bit more to get him involved over the middle of the field and like just using the middle of the field more in general, which they should. Cause like, it's so cool that like Trevor's the kind of quarterback who's like able to hit sideline throws, like every single play and play after play, but generally throws over the middle of the field are more efficient and he's got the height to do so. Usually like shorter quarterbacks uh, or like the biggest obstacle for a lot of quarterbacks is just height. Cause I can't see over the offensive lineman and throw over the middle of the field. And obviously that's not a problem for Lawrence. So it would be nice to see them throw into the middle of the field a little more. Uh, oh, and then in terms of, in terms of uh, Ezra, like in your defense, maybe they didn't have like an absolute plan of what to do. So like maybe the plan was initially to start Ezra, but like they just like weren't hundred percent committed to it. And then like once Ezra got in the building and they saw like how caught up he was with their scheme. And then like once little got back in the building, and they saw like where his knee was at, like maybe then they like made a firm decision. And then that's why like Doug came out like almost fiery on Monday, like stating that Walker Little is going to be the starting left guard. But like uh, the only thing we got from Doug last week or anyone from the team last week was his appearance on the Pat McAfee show. And in the first sentence, he said like, we already have a really good offensive line and we're getting some like really good depth in Ezra. And so like, you shouldn't like, read too much into just like a part of one quote from one show from the only tidbit we've gotten all week. But at the same time, like that is like the only thing he said. So it's not like he's like changed what he said at all. Just, just to go back to a previous point, I've been looking for this tweet for like last two minutes from <laughs> one of the best tweeters in Jaguar Twitter, DJ Delphonic goes, my dream scenario, ship, Doug, despite criticism, the pass rush has ascended since the bye. What does that say in your opinion? And then it's like Trent interrupting Doug. You just got bulky ball. <laughs> uh, that that is that is also my dream scenario. I I agree <laughs> with you. I like I, I think Walker Little has to be on the field. So like he he's yeah. arguably your best offensive lineman. So he has to be on the field in some facet. It is definitely curious for like a starting level guard to basically be a backup and on the bench. Like if, if you're Ezra Cleveland, like. You know, you you just started for the first month and a half of the season. The only reason you weren't still starting in Minnesota was because of a minor ankle injury. And now, you know, you're suddenly a backup. I will say that it was interesting that Doug, a lot of times in my, like, time covering Doug, he won't talk about the future very much. Like, when they traded for Calvin Ridley, he – like, they, they were playing the Raiders that week, and they traded for Calvin Ridley. And, like, the first – God, like 15 questions in the press conference were about Calvin Ridley. And eventually he's like, we're all playing the Raiders this week, right? <laughs> like he just – like he didn't want to talk about next year. Right. But 
somebody asked him about Ezra being a potential, you know, long-term piece. And he was pretty open about that. He very much, and to me, the second most telling thing, we'll go over the first one in a minute, but the second most telling quote he had was, he was like, Shatley and Brandon Sheriff aren't getting any younger. Yeah, it was more or less him saying that to me. They won't be on the roster much longer. Yeah, that was after. one that jumped out to me. Like, I was surprised he, like, just said that blatantly out loud. Like, Sheriff has been playing really well, but he's not getting any younger. I was like, well, I'm kind of a little surprised he said that. Yeah, I mean, you I mean, you look at his his contract. I, I wrote it out yesterday. Like, it's, it's a very – very real scenario where he's not, you know, we talked about last week where he's not on the roster next year. If, if they release the sheriff for the post June 1st designation next year, they save 16 and a half million in cap space. Like you have 14 million of dead cap over the next two seasons. It's like seven yeah. in 2024 and seven and a half million in 2025. But right. they're one of the lowest teams in dead cap right now to begin with. They've like taken on like no dead cap since the 2021 off season. So I think that they'd be okay with like biting that bullet a little bit. So mm-hmm. I definitely think that's a scenario where, you know, maybe Ezra, you know, back up this year, maybe he's a starting right guard next year. Maybe he's a starting left guard. If walk a little goes to left tackle, Cam Robinson's another guy who, you know, if they're looking to free up some money for extensions and whatnot. Cam Robinson's another contract that, you know, could save them a good bit of money. So a very real scenario, I think where, you see Cleveland start at one of the two guard spots next year. If mm-hmm. of course you can convince him to stay. Cause like he, he's only on the roster for like nine more games. Plus, you know, the playoffs after that, he's free to sign anywhere else. And you're not franchise tagging as for <laughs> Cleveland. So if he, I, I very easily could see like them having kind of like a like handshake deal, basically where it's like, you know, Stick it out with us through this season. Tough it out. We'll sign you in the offseason, and you'll be a starter at some point next year. I mean, we talked about it. Like, say they do move on from Cam and Sheriff, that would mean two guard spots are open. And you don't want to go into an offseason having to replace two guard spots. It's just bad. Yeah. It's bad management. Totally. Yeah. I was thinking, like, if they really do go into the offseason, like, with two guards, you almost like two guard spots open. You kind of like pigeonhole yourself and, like, you kind of force yourself to, sign at least one because if you don't do that then you're going to like force yourself to take one in the draft and like I feel like that's the thing that Balky hates most like he preaches about like value and like taking uh like going value over needs and like they definitely like very much have guys but they have guys like in specific like specific value slots kind of in the draft so like they would never want to be in a spot where they feel like they have to reach on a position so I like maybe another like so I, the way I see it, like, I think there's a better chance Ezra Cleveland is starting next year than Brandon Sheriff. And I think Ezra is going to be, like, at this point, you can not safely assume, but, like, just unsafely assume, I guess, that, like, Ezra will, will be one of the starting guards. And then the other guard spot will be down to, like, whether Cam and Little stay in town. And then, like, Cam is left tackle and Little stays at left guard. Or if uh, one of them goes out of town. So that means that the other one would be the blindside protector. And then you still have that guard spot to fill. So, yeah, I mean, there's been and, a lot of moving, keys, moving pieces around the offensive line there. And I mean, it does be. definitely improve their depth. Like, say Cam or Anton gets hurt, Walker can move from left guard to a tackle spot. And then instead of playing Tyler Shatley or Ben Barch, 
you have a starting level guard that you can plug in there. Brandon Sheriffs, of course, has dealt with ankle injuries. It, here's my question to you. Say they don't they can't re-sign Cleveland. You know, like you can't strap them to a chair and you know force them to sign a contract. Is that a bad trade to you? You trade a six round pick for a nine game backup guard? No, because like if he's like signing with a different team, then you would assume that it's like for a bigger contract than Jacksonville is willing to match. And then, like, if he's signing a relatively sizable contract, then you're going to get a comp-, comp pick pack, which will probably be anywhere from like a fourth to a seventh. Uh, like, most likely it would be a six. And then it's basically yeah. like splitting even for a half season rental. So that's true. I- where, where things stand now, like, after the dust settled kind of from the trade, it definitely seems like as much of a win as we initially thought. I can't imagine he's going to cost that much either. Like the NFL saw his value as a six round pick at most, you know, and I know him being in a contract year factors into that, but I feel like if the NFL, like other teams are like super, super high on him, somebody would have made, you know, a higher offer. Right. And And now that he's going to be depth, like he's going to be like hidden from other NFL teams to like show that he's like going to be able to prove a lot to be like, be worth a big contract. So like that, like that value isn't, probably isn't going to change if he's just going to be on the bench the entire or the rest of the season. hundred percent. I, the other thing that Doug said yesterday that really caught my eye was, let's see, he goes, anytime you can add depth and add value, you can add a talent like Ezra to our offensive line, really any position. It's something that Trent and I and the guys looked at hard. Definitely a lot of scenarios out there. You look at pass rushers, maybe even defensive backs. You look at O-linemen. And Ezra is somebody that can come in and really provide a necessary backup guard. Maybe I'm Galaxy brand. That, to me, that's more or less him saying that. Like, they kick the Tigers on pass rushers and defensive backs, which I think we both said in our pre-trade deadline podcast that those are probably, the, like, offensive line, secondary, and pass rusher, the three spots they're going to look at. So, I, while I've been owned about the walk a little Ezra thing, I haven't been owned about the pass rusher because between that and the – Adam Schefter report that the Jags called about Brian Burns. Like it wasn't, he wasn't saying the Jaguars were close to a deal for Brian Burns and it fell apart. No, it's very commonplace at the trade deadline for teams to call. And basically how it's been said to me is anybody is tradable in the NFL other than franchise quarterbacks. So like teams are going to call about all kinds of dudes and Schefter made it clear that none of those conversations went far, but if, if they weren't looking for pass rushers, why are you even picking up the phone? You know? So it, I, I'm, Anybody that comes to me and says they weren't looking that hard at pass rushers, I was overreacting, they like what they have, no. You're crazy. I'm not crazy. You're crazy. I'm not crazy. <laughs> that, that, it, that to me was pretty telling. Like, like Especially from Doug. Doug normally is very – he's not going to give you – pretty much anything at a press conference. No. So for him to open up and open, like pull back the curtain a little bit, I thought was interesting. Totally. I feel like he, did he say something? I feel like he like said something before the deadline happened about like, Oh, we like might check out a different couple, a couple other positions or just a few different types of positions. And I don't know if he specified like in a media availability, but I like, he's given like a couple of hints. I feel like in the past couple of pressers, and like you said, like he's very much so like a kind of like focus on just our opponent and like what's right in front of us rather than like all these hypotheticals that we kind of like to throw around his head. But yeah, I agree with you that those were two both really telling quotes. Like 
they definitely are interested in bolstering their pass rush. Absolutely. So that's all we got. That's all I got on the Ezra talk for now. I've, we've now had what a podcast and a half dedicated to evidently a backup left guard. So that, yeah. that is where I draw my line in the sand. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you got anything else? No, let's, uh, let's do some mid season awards, but only after we take a short break for our ads. All right, guys. Midseason awards. I love correlatives. I, I love them, dude. It's the perfect narrative pushing right. kind, kind of thing that really just, you know, gets my gears going. So it's fucking slug, baby. It's fun. Yeah. It's a lot easier when they're six and two, too. I, mm. I remember doing midseason awards during the Urban year. <laughs> it's like <laughs> <laughs> Marvin Jones, offensive player of the year. Yeah. Hey, at least there was more rookies to choose from. That's the, that was kind of like the tough part of this one. What do you mean? It's a thirteen-player draft class. We got we got a baker's dozen to pick from. <laughs> All right, let's not get too hard, too far ahead of ourselves. Uh, start out with team MVP. Start from, with the best from the top. I, I'm going with Josh Allen. I he's been one of the probably six or seven best pass rushers in the NFL this year. He's like their pass rush without him is literally anemic. And just with the style of defense that they play and with the leads that they've been playing with, their defense would look so much different without him. He's taken a big jump. He was like, I think, sixth in pressures a year ago, but he was like 29th in win rate. Now he's top 10 in both. Mm-hmm. Plus the sacks are finally meeting the pressures that he's always gotten. I, I think Allen's been the best player on the team this year. I agree with that. I, I thought the quarterback and the running back both like had cases for the award, but like the defense has just been the story of the season so far for the Jags. And so I thought it was like, you can't not give it to like the best player on the defense. Who's also been the best player on the team in general. So definitely agree with you that Josh Allen deserves team MVP through nine weeks. That made me think of whenever urban talked about James Robinson, he'd say James, the running back, James, the running back. <laughs> James, the running back. <laughs> oh man. That's Those tough. prices are something else. Yeah. Uh, sometimes I miss them. Mm-hmm. No, no, I don't. Uh, yeah, so I, we're both in agreement. I think Allen's been pretty easily their best player this year. And I mean, I I posted some stats yesterday comparing him, Rashawn Gary, and Montez Sweat, like their pressures, sacks, pass rush win rate, tackles for loss, and run stop percentage, just to show their impact versus the run in the pass. And he's pretty easily been the most productive of the three in terms of like his entire game, like run and pass. So I I think it's time to back up the Brinks truck for him. I've seen a lot of fans tell me they're surprised it didn't happen during the bye week or they think it'll happen soon. I can confidently say, and this isn't just me like guessing, this is a little bit of saucing in there that no, they're like no steps <laughs> toward a contract to this point have been taken. So I, I wouldn't expect anything like that during the season, but he has more than certainly earned it. Totally. I feel like we've you or you've been consistent with that message, like going back for months now, like through last offseason. I was asking you about that. You're like, not in season. It's just like, but, yeah, not but the this time I'm not wrong. But yeah, no, this time. <laughs> I know this. <laughs> this time I'm right. <laughs> He's gonna sign a contract tomorrow, dude. I'm just gonna stop saying things. Uh, if like assuming he signs a long term deal this offseason, like. Or just whenever he signs a long-term deal, like it's a hundred percent going to go over a hundred million because 
Gary got four years for 94 million and then sweat got four years for 98 million. And so it's like the same thing as like the quarterback market that we saw in the off season where they just like take turns one upping each other. So whoever it is, regardless of like, if it's Josh Allen or someone on another team, whoever signs the next like big contract is going to get a hundred million dollars. So I saw a great take on this and it, made me come up with this analogy. Somebody was like, this is just Ryan Poles' version of Balky giving Christian Kirk that contract and just blowing up the market because, you know, basically because he could. So I'd Montez what Montez what is the Christian Kirk as Josh Allen is the Tyreek Hill. The price of the brick has gone up. Say that one more time. Yeah, yeah. Get bulky ball, buddy. Yeah. Is <laughs> Montez Sweat is the, is Christian Kirk. Right. Same way that how does that, <laughs> that Josh Allen is Tyreek Hill. Tyreek basically, once he saw Christian Kirk get paid, like his price went way up. And I think Josh Allen's the same way. Once a team is giving Montez Sweat that contract, Josh Allen's that, that price is going up, man. That's true. He just got bulky balled. We'll see. I will say, though, that like Christian Kirk, once he arrived in Jacksonville, he didn't tell reporters right after. I don't know if it's going to be a long-term fit. I'll have to see what my surrounding environment is like. That's he wasn't traded for. Montez. He wasn't traded for. Be like if Carlos Hyde talked about. Okay, you know what? We're, we're getting too into the weeds. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. okay. <laughs> Offensive bulky player ball. of the year. I have, like I said, I thought like, Lawrence and ETN were kind of like could be neck and neck for the awards, but I went with Travis ETN. Yeah, I probably would too. And it's it's not for the reason people think. One, I think he's done a great job of limiting his turnovers that he had a big problem with. Like they had a couple games last year, like the Giants game specifically, that they literally lost because of his fumbles. Mm-hmm. Whereas this year, even though he's getting an increased volume and snap count, he's not really putting the ball on the ground at all. Uh, I think he's gotten much better as a receiver this year. I think he's gotten better in pass pro. He's just been a better all-around back. I will say, I think the numbers are a little funny. There, Doug, Doug said it yesterday when he was asked about Trevor's touchdown total. He's like, we've been running the ball pretty good. And I was like, no, no, you have not at all. Like, <laughs> They're one of the worst, worst running teams in the NFL. Like, just like look at any metric you want. Like, they, they just like their entire running game has been like a dozen or so rushes of like negative one to two yards. And then ETN will break out for a super long run. But those super long runs that those explosive touchdowns he's gotten has helped them build some of these leads, has helped them get out so many funks. So just because he's been like a reliable safety valve for the offense, I go with him. I think Trevor, you can make a good argument for him. I think you can make an argument for Kirk. I also think you can make an argument for Evan Ingram, which is very funny considering he has zero touchdowns this year, but yeah. I still think you can make an argument for him. Yeah, no, I think you can definitely make an argument. Kirk is definitely a good one that I like didn't really think of at all, but I feel like I should have because I think like obviously he's had like some like spike weeks and some non-spike weeks, like depending on the matchup. Like you and I have kind of like nailed down like when it's going to be a Ridley week versus a uh, Kirk week, but like he's always stepped up like when the ball is thrown to him. So I think he definitely has a case. And then like, I hate that like Lawrence is getting like flack online for being like a game manager and like not being as good as his 
like draft pedigree and all this stuff because he's really just like doing what the coaches are asking him of and like telling him to do plus like the this point's been made plenty of times on twitter but like the defense has been playing so lights out that like lawrence doesn't really have to do a whole lot in the second halves so hopefully that narrative will go away once like as you said like the etn touchdowns and lawrence touchdowns like even themselves out over the second half of the season but like I don't know. ETN leads the league in carries per game, and he was leading the league in total carries uh, up until the Jags buy. And like, obviously, the like there would be a huge drop off for either starting position at quarterback or running back. But I just feel like they've like relied a little bit more on ETN through like the specific two week stretch to start the season. Yeah, I'm 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 with you. I definitely I definitely think it's a fair argument to make. It's this ETN season is so weird because, like, I feel like he deserves his flowers and mm-hmm. everything he's getting because he's forcing a ton of missed tackles. He's been really good yards after contact, but the running game still sucks. <laughs> it's it's it definitely like, and that to me, when you're doing all that, that's definitely an offensive line issue and not a Travis yeah. ETN issue. So it's it it it's been a very weird season for the offense. Well, if Walker Little starts. Uh, against the Niners, then it'll be if he starts and finishes the game, then it'll be the first bowl game of the year of a lineup of Cam Robinson, Walker Little, Luke Fortner, Brandon Sheriff, Anton Harrison. So like, I don't like it, the Jags aren't going to like turn into like the best rushing team in the league or anything close to it, but they could at least like be average to above average efficiency wise, which would go a huge way for the overall offense and team if just like their offensive line gels a little bit in the second half. A good bit for you would be to go and do a film breakdown, all of Walker's 11 snaps at left card. <laughs> That'd be a great bit. Yeah, that would be good. <laughs> yeah, I would. All right, maybe I will. Yeah. Well, don't actually, don't actually waste your time on that. <laughs> I might, I'm, I'm definitely going to do an article on Big Cat Country that's doing like film stuff. And so I was going to do like some film on Ezra and like try to pull up, like I'm going to try to find like at least one thing where he like gets out in space and see how he does. And then like how he fails in terms of, or like where he fails uh, when he lets up pressures, but I'll, I'll make sure to do a little, a little montage with some like hype music or something for little snaps. That's right. I feel like there's a disconnect too, where it's like, everyone knows that like walk little got that like one start, but I don't think a lot of people like realize like how little, <laughs> no pun intended, no pun intended. He played in that game. Like, it, it was, was the first drive. Yeah. It was like we barely saw anything. I mean, what we saw was impressive, sure, but it was 11 snaps. Yeah, like it, it was literally their first drive of the game. <laughs> he got hurt on. So, or maybe maybe it was the second one. I, I don't know. I don't I don't care. Don't know. All right. Uh defensive player of the year. Like not going to double dip with Josh Allen, obviously. I'd say Foyer. And the reason I'd say Foyer is his Coverage numbers have been a lot better this year than they were last year. And I just, I mean, I, I think that's been the biggest improvement in his game. I, I think Juzo is like the pole runner in cover two. I think he's been outstanding. And I think he's a big reason why their pass defense has been as good as it is. Cause he's always been really good against a run, but I, I would venture to say this has been, you know, the best he's ever been uh, in terms of pass coverage. Yeah, I totally agree. The Jacksonville's weakness on defense, like going back several years, was pass coverage specifically over the middle of the field. 
because they had they were charting out guys like Damian Wilson and God. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I started Damian Wilson on purpose because just so many Damian Wilson film memories came rushing back of him dropping into Dude, coverage. Dam- um, Damian Wilson and Miles Jack as a linebacker duo for a real NFL franchise—that is brutal. Yeah, man. Um, so he, he's uh, Foye has definitely improved from last season, and like we've talked about, how like Trey Herndon has been a little bit of like an unsung hero, underrated guy for the defense, and obviously like him playing nickel corner in the middle of the field is like helps the Jaguars improve, but like Herndon, Foyer, and Devin Lloyd, like all kind of deserve their flowers for like I, helping step up middle of the field coverage. Yeah, I, I got some Lloyd numbers for you just to show his improvement. So mm-hmm. his yards allowed per target has gone down from 8.2 to 4.2. His yards allowed per completion has gone down 10.6 to 7.4. His passer rating allowed – when targeted has gone down from 101.7 to 77.9. His completion percentage has gone down from 77.2% to 56.7%. And his missed tackle rate has gone down from 10.9% to 7.7%. So he is just like, and literally every metric is just so much better this year. Yeah. And just like, it's nice. Cause like on film too, it's not just that like, he's like being in the right place at the right time. Like a lot of the times last year, like the Chargers interception comes to mind and like he was like a rookie of the defensive rookie of the year candidate through the first month of last year, just based on like stats alone. But like this year he has like really good stats, but also like the film backs it up in terms of like just his confidence is like night and day compared to last year. And he's like not really being directed around by foyer anymore. So it's a, the eye test meets the numbers for sure. And it's nice to see. Uh, honestly, though, my defensive player of the year for the Jags is Darius Williams because Foye certainly has a case. Obviously, Josh Allen would have been both of ours if he wasn't our team MVP. But, like, Darius Williams has just stepped up in such a big way as the full-time outside cornerback for the Jags this year. I think, like, like <clears throat> a lot of times, like, NFL voters will just kind of, like, go to the stats and see, like, who's leading the league in, like, interceptions and pass deflections. And that'll end up those players will end up getting a lot of all pro and like defensive player of the year votes if a cornerback has a really good season. So I'm he's not gonna be a, like a real NFL defensive player of the year candidate, but for the Jaguars, like he's just stepped up all year, especially like after Tyson Campbell went fat after Tyson Campbell went out, uh, he just didn't really flinch and took up big assignments, including George Pickens in the last time we saw the Jags play. So he's just been lights out all year. Yeah, no, I, I I won't disagree with that. That's that's definitely a that's definitely a good point. I'm not disagreeing with that at all. Yeah. All right, offensive rookie of the year. This one was kind of tough. Uh, <laughs> Is it? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. It was, <laughs> this was the easiest one, easiest award that I filled out. Anton Harrison. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I don't I don't know if there's even anything that needs to be said for it. Like, he has quietly had one of the like I think he's like top ten in pressure rate like like top ten in a good way so like ten lowest pressure rates among right tackles. He's just super unlucky and it seems like half his pressures are like sacks, mm-hmm. uh, like a crazy clip. But I mean, I, I I personally think that he has shown what you'd want to see from a young I'd say probably raw offensive tackle in the first round. Like right. he, he definitely coming from. Oklahoma's offense and against the Big 12 in general wasn't a ready-made product coming out 
to begin with. So I, I definitely think that there have been some good flashes there. They have covered up for him at times just with the nature of the quick passing game. But, I mean, he's also drawn some, like, like rookie offensive tackles have a tough match. There are so many yeah. good pass rushers in the NFL. Like, uh, here's Chris Jones. He's moving over from the left to right side, which is, like, so much easier said than done. It's, like, switching hands writing. Like, it's you can't just, like, do it overnight. And so he, like, obviously had some struggles in tough matchups, like you were just saying, with Chris Jones and TJ Watt. But, like, man, he's been impressive. Like, not talking about him is, like, such a good thing. Uh, yeah. We talked about him a lot to begin this season, I feel like. And, like, now we're still talking about, like, offensive line issues. But – Anton's name never comes up anymore. So yeah, he so. definitely deserves a ton of credit for stepping in and like rounding into form as a right as a rookie on like the opposite side that he's used to as just a 21 year old. Yeah. So, I mean, definitely some tough matchups, but hey, it gets better this week with the Nick Bosa and Cheese <laughs> <Jeez> Young. <laughs> yeah. Jeez Young. That'd be interesting. It's so he gets Joe, Nick Bosa and Chase Young and then Nico Audrey. Arden Key and Harold Landry, then Will Anderson, then Trey Hendrickson, then Miles Garrett, (laughs) then Baltimore's like defense in general. Then Tampa Bay doesn't have those that good of a pass rush. And then he gets Brian Burns. So it's literally every week he's he's being thrown in the fire. So you gotta get best playing in the league is tough, man. Well said, Herbs. I'd love to get Urban on the podcast. <laughs> I would good. love that. <laughs> How many of your 12 games do you remember? <laughs> Other than the last one. I don't know if you saw any of the Gator, uh, the Gators doc at all from a few weeks ago on Netflix. I mean, I'm sure it's still on Netflix. But it was, like, so weird because he was, like, clearly being interviewed, like, while he was still, like, the Jaguars head coach with, like, Jacksonville backdrops and, like, I don't think any like Jaguar stuff on, but like teal stuff on. It was just weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, good, good bits, good bits all around. <laughs> all right, defensive rookie of the year. This one is actually tough. I went with Tyler Lacey. He has fifty-five snaps, which leads all defensive rookies for the Jaguars. Yasir Abdullah has forty-five, and Antonio Johnson has thirteen. I kind of feel like. We could be seeing Antonio Johnson will be the defensive rookie of the year by the end of the season just because he's been out with a hamstring injury. And, like, there's been some coaches, I think, definitely Caldwell, but I think Doug also has been, like, saying he could be getting more playing time after the bye. Uh, Tyler Lacey has been on the field for 55 snaps. So I'll, I'll say this. How many GMs drafted a player in the fifth round who recorded inter- an interception on 100% of their snaps in the game this week, this year? You got bulky bald. That's so- he, he played <laughs> one snap. He played one snap versus the Steelers and picked They're off. For him. That was, that was the worst one in a while. <laughs> Next gen stats. <laughs> Next John stats. <laughs> I when, in my snap count thing article I do every week. I wrote that. He picked up, picked off Mitch and his only snap and was hashtag next gen stat. <laughs> That's good. That's Those are the kind of stats I love, baby. Those yeah. 2003 ass stats. <laughs> it's insane. Yeah. Um. All right. So, would you agree as with Tyler Lacey for D Roy? 
No. <laughs> <laughs> I'd go Yasir Abdullah, and then I would have you make me tell you which one of his four pressures this year is my favorite. Mm-hmm. The first Probably one. The only, one the only one that ended up in the quarterback hit. He's got Uno. <laughs> How many does Tyler Lacey have? <laughs> Zero. Tyler, I, I, but Lacey has like six tackles compared to Abdullah's three, so. Okay, I'll we'll make him some hardware and we'll present it to him in the locker room. I wish I could say that like someone has like stepped up on film, and I was like specifically looking at the D line last week because of I was looking to see how Hamilton looked, and like yeah. yeah, like Lacey hasn't stood out in a bad way. I'll give him that because like you can tell sometimes when like a big run is let up, like who's in the wrong gap, etc. Yeah. But there, <laughs> I can't say good things either. Him and Abdullah are going to be inactive the rest of the year unless somebody gets hurt. Yeah. So, it 13-player draft class, four players are playing. It's I, I'm a little shocked Derek Parrish wasn't in the running. I'll be honest. How many guys can <laughs> play fullback? That. Wow, that caught me by surprise. Not many guys can play fullback and tight end and outside linebacker in one training camp. Mm-hmm. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Uh, I'll, the one last thing I'll add before we should go off of this is that Christian Broswell could be like a name to watch in the rest of the season. Like he's another guy who probably won't be active or definitely like won't be playing unless an injury happens. But like the Jags said, they were looking into secondary help at the deadline. And so like Gregory Jr. has kind of been like a popular name with how his offseason and training camp went. But Christian Broswell is another name that like, the coaches seem to like so like just look out for him if he happens to get playing time as a rookie i think if he wasn't hurt when tyson got hurt he would have started instead of Martaric brown mm. I did. there you go which, which kind of shows you in the nfl windows like for playing time open and shut pretty quickly yeah it's true okay coach of the year i Ooh. we we gave plow uh jeez i can't talk we gave press some flowers last week and uh, Doug has been awesome. Like the Jags are six and two this season, and I think like thirteen and three or something like that, or thirteen and two in their last fifteen games. Uh, but Mike Caldwell definitely gets Coach of the Year for me. I get, I got three different ones for you. <laughs> what? Lashea <laughs> Townsend, Prince and okay, Buckner, yeah. and Tony Gilbert. S- All right, sorry for interrupting. What did you say? Deshae Tony Townsend. Gilbert. Tony Gilbert, DeSayer Townsend, and Brinson Buckner. Okay. Buckner was another one I was thinking. But I, I wrote down Townsend for uh, assistant coach of the year just because, like, I feel like the biggest improvement on defense has been, like, like I just like we were just talking about the middle of the field coverage. And then, like, it's pretty evident, not even just on film, but, like, watching the games, like, how good their communication is and their chemistry as a back-end unit. So I think I definitely think Townsend deserves some flowers as an assistant coach. Yeah, 100%. I, I think the whole defensive staff probably deserves yeah. it. They've, they've, like, the defensive line, like, in general, like, they were a good run defense last year, but just the eye test this year, they're like a, like, they're like knockback ability and their strength at the point of attack, just to me, is so different this year. And they're definitely playing with an edge against the run. So I think Princeton Buckner deserves a lot of credit for that. And then Tony Gilbert, man, Fourier's having a Pro Bowl year. Devin Lloyd is having a much improved year and I, I I just I think all those guys deserve it. If you're going with 
one of the big four, like the three coordinators and Doug, though, definitely, definitely Mike Caldwell. Yeah. Gilbert's a good call out, though, because honestly, I almost like chalked up the success of the inside linebackers in Jacksonville to Mike Caldwell since he was a former linebacker and used to coach linebackers in Tampa Bay. So I like, I, de- I wasn't really considering Gilbert at all. I definitely should have been. So good call out. Um, comeback player of the year. I feel like this was kind of between Ridley and Smoot. And I'm Ridley has obviously been more productive on the field, but I'm giving it to Smoot just because, like, even though his, like, numbers haven't been super impressive, like, since his return from an Achilles injury, just, like, him getting on the field at all, I feel like is, like, the biggest number to think about. And just, like, the fact that he's playing defensive snaps. Uh, just, like, there's going to be a lot of talk about Achilles injuries because Cam Akers just, unfortunately, tore his Achilles last week. And then Kirk Cousins and Aaron Rodgers have both torn their Achilles this season. So, like, the fact that Smoot came back as quickly as he did is, like, pretty crazy. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely with you. I'll, I'll go Devin Lloyd. He mm. come back from bad play. His, yeah. His, he – not like to hammer the guy. He, he was one of the worst starting linebackers in the NFL last year. And this year, I'd argue he's a top 12 linebacker this year. Is, is that a little – that a little too feisty? I don't know enough about like linebacker play to like say how hot a take that is. I feel like like top 20 it might like I, I'll give you top 20 for sure. Top 12 Ooh. might be a little hot, but that's what we're give here. Me top 15. Give me top 15. Right. Okay. <laughs> Big difference top to me. Is. It, yeah. It, if he wasn't playing with a literal club, he'd have more big plays in there. That's true too. Yeah, I had him written down as a uh, most improved player of the year. So, well, damn it, most, or most improved player. So, yeah, I'm right there with you though. Like, Fair. like he was like the Jaguars, uh, like on defense last year. Like he was like the target for opposing offenses. Like, especially like both games against the Chiefs. Like it was just so obvious. Like that teams were kind of like really making him play or making him pay, kind of or just going after him, and so. That'll be a big thing to watch against the Niners, or honestly, because Kyle Shanahan loves to kind of like toy with opposing linebackers with all the misdirection and kind of going over their heads with play action. Um, but like, just to reiterate the point of we've already made a few times about like the improving defense over the middle of the field, Devin Lloyd's improvement is definitely a big factor. For sure. For sure. All right. Uh, there's a couple I had written down that are like technically NFL honors that they give out. So moment of the year, I, I'm i saying the second Colts game, the first home win of the season, when Josh Allen had the strip sack against Gardner Minshew. And I believe it was the first quarter, maybe it was like early in the second. And then on the very next play, ETN had the Wildcat touchdown. And that like was, I mean, easily the loudest I've heard Everbank Stadium this season. So that was kind of an easy one for me. Is there one that sticks out to you off the top of your head? I'll go ETN's touchdown against Buffalo. I hmm. that was at the time Buffalo was arguably the best team in football. That was before half their team like got got put on injured reserve. Right. That like at the time that to me was one of the most impressive regular season wins, if not the most impressive of the Doug Peterson era. So I'll go that one. Hmm. All right, good one. Um Celebration of the year. Maybe the Toy Story one? Christian Kirk. 
Did you see it? The yeah, the you're talking about like the dance. Yeah. No, the uh, he did a Amazon Prime delivery. Oh, you oh yeah, that? yeah, that was a good one. No, you're right. That's that's the winner. That was a good one. Yeah. Okay. Uh, angry run of the year. I didn't think of a specific one, but I just feel like Evan Engram deserves this one because he had, especially like in the beginning of the year when we were kind of like talking him up about like just being so such an important part of the Jaguars' offense and like how angry he was running. I mean, he had a couple like big runs after the catch. Uh, I mean, the whole season, honestly. But I feel like there was a couple early in the season that really stood out. But he did have a really big one against the Steelers, too, though. I'm going to cheat. Tank Bigsby, preseason run when he ran over Javon Holland. Oh. Yeah, yeah honestly, like, preseason included, that probably would be the winner. That was a, good, that was a pretty nice run. Yeah. All right. Uh, most improved player, I said Devin Lloyd. Honorable Trey Herndon. Trey Herndon, nice. Yeah. I was going to say – uh, honorable mention to Foley Fatukazi because I feel like at this time last year, like we were barely talking about him at all, even though he had just signed a pretty sizable contract. But now, like, even though he's starting over or like would always start over Devon Hamilton, technically, uh, like they the Jags needed people to like step up in Ham's absence, and he's been like a critical part, if not the most critical part of their run defense. So he's been really good, especially. Like compared to this time last year, with you, best offseason addition is the last one I wrote down because I feel like Brandon McManus should definitely like have a case because he's been like so good and everything the Jaguars were hoping for when they signed him. And then obviously Calvin Ridley is the one that we talked about the most, but I think Anton's been the best offseason addition just because like plugging in that right tackle position is a lot easier said than done after the, especially after the season that Jawan Taylor had last year. Like I know he's not, he's not doing terrible, but he's not doing like great for the chiefs this season after signing a pretty big contract with them, but he was still like allowing like barely any pressures last year and doing really well in the run game last year for the Jaguars. So for Anton to like, kind of like fill in, obviously not like with zero bumps and bruises, but, without like too many is pretty impressive to me. I'm going Brandon McManus. Mm. The leg. The leg. He the, he the difference in their confidence in him and their confidence in Riley last year is insane. So I'm I'm going McManus. Yeah. I think that's he's been like almost a savior of the Jags offense low key because like obviously the defense has put them into so many like good positions in terms of like uh, field position. I saw today that the Jags are had the fifth best rate of like forcing three and outs. So like obviously the red zone offense has been very up and down this season and Lawrence hasn't been thrown for a lot of touchdowns. And so the fact that like they're able to just like move the ball like eight yards at times on a drive and be able to just kick a long one is pretty invaluable. So I like I don't I don't necessarily like, disagree with that. Nor should you. <laughs> All right. Do you have any other uh, awards? No, I'm good. I think uh, we can go ahead and hit an ad break and then go ahead and take some of our Jag bag questions. Jag bag. Yeah. You like that? Yeah, I love it. I do too. All right, we'll be right back. All right, guys. Okay. Our faithful listeners have mm-hmm. implored us come up with the hottest of takes go ahead and pull it up Ooh, we got 14 replies i mm-hmm. okay 
All right. Go ahead and I'll uh I'll go ahead and lead this uh lead this posse. Okay. Uh, the first the first one, my favorite one. Has fantasy football ruined football discourse? Yes. <laughs> 100%. Yeah. I, I think like Fantasy almost gets like a bad rap at this point because like it does like bring so many fans to the game and it does like start a lot of conversations and like I think like in general I, I might say that like fantasy is a plus but like in terms of like specifically like what it contributes to football discourse yeah it's horrific I, I'm on the opposite end I, I want less people to like my sport I want mm-hmm. <laughs> stay in your lanes don't bring your economic fantasy. degrees. Personally, for me, like fantasy helps me like really stay into football after I like stopped playing in high school. So even though I'm like a lot less addicted to it now compared to when I was a high school sophomore, uh, I don't know. I, I still like it. So, so is fantasy football the only reason that we have the show in a way? In a way, yeah. You have you have fantasy football to thank for me. I mean, like yeah. when I like came to you a couple summers ago to write for you, you knew me as like the dad and nerd guy. And it's because I wasn't a <laughs> the football guy that was in the gym uh, through like my division two career. So I had to get a start somehow. Well, I, I didn't even think about fantasy football bringing us together. So yeah, I'm, I'm totally in favor of er- eradicating it completely. <laughs> <laughs> you got me there. Yeah. <laughs> get that guy out of here. Yeah. I, 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 I was, I was hoping you would just say yes. One of them I'm slipping out of. I was hoping you could just say yes. So I could just pounce. And then you started being pretty nice. And I was like, ah, oh, this is, this is going to hit. Mm, nice. I saw you off that. That was good. Okay, I, love so, the that I do agree that though. Like the discourse is horrific. Yeah. Like it's, it's, it just like sets people back, honestly, which is the worst. I, I'm literally saying this because I got into an argument with somebody this week who was debating me between, why does Trevor Lawrence and Gardner Minshew have similar stats? Yeah, that. to back up your point, like he was like one of my favorite analysts because I thought he was like new stuff. But he like he's just like one of the fancy guys that's like too deep into the spreadsheets. Like spreadsheets are like great and they help out a lot, but like you just like need context from a bunch of different areas, not just like where does Trevor Lawrence rank in adjusted net yards per attempt. Yeah, I'm with you. All right, next one. With the pass rushing talent that looks to be hitting the market, plus the calls he reportedly made last week, do you think Trent makes an aggressive move in free agency? Also, had he successfully traded for top end talent, what do you think the plan for Trayvon was? Can you read the first question again? Read Basically, do you, do you think he'll make an aggressive move for a pass rusher in free agency? No, because I think like a lot of the like I feel like a big quote that I've heard from like you and other people in Jags like local media is like the price wasn't right for a pass rusher. And so like, as we said, like earlier in the show, like we do know that the Jaguars were interested in adding to their pass rush in some kind of way, but like, I don't think that like anything is going to change from now until the off season where they're like suddenly in a position to like make a more serious call about like Brian Burns or Daniel Hunter or like, players of that caliber like i think they will be interested in adding to the pass rush and i'm assuming that they will especially after like we assumed the same thing last offseason and nothing happened uh but i don't necessarily like think it's going to be a big fish yeah they, they signed arden key last off not this last one but 2022 to a one-year seven million dollar deal i think that's the kind of guy they would prefer to add 
honestly. And, and in terms of what the move would have been for Trayvon, I think you would have seen him play inside more on third down just because they're not, like, getting much of an interior push, like, on third down in general. But I very easily could have seen a scenario where Trayvon was still getting a ton of edge reps. So, I, I don't know. It's weird. It's, it's weird to me that they were even interested in the Neil Hunter and, you know, Brian Burns and reportedly, you know, Chase Young. So it, it, it was like because I, the question, what do you do with Trayvon? I, I don't know. I don't know what they would have done. I, I, the, yeah, the Brian Burns thing is like pretty interesting. But in terms of Chase Young and Daniel Hunter, I think those are both like things where they were like, it was like a buy low opportunity. Cause like Chase Young was like such a ridiculously seemed like, seemed like a can't miss edge prospect coming out of Ohio State. And now it's like, you just got traded for a third round pick after being yeah. selected second overall. And then like Daniel Hunter is like, I mean, I think he's still leading the league in sacks, but he is 30 and on like unlikely to be with the Vikings next season. And so like the Jag, like if they do get a big fish, it's going to be like in a situation where they're like still trying to buy low on the big fish. Uh, yeah. But like the much more likely outcome is like you said, where it's like they just buy low on like a guy like Arden Key, who is like a good rotational guy like the previous year. So then they like nab him for 1 million seven or one year, 7 million. Yeah. I'm with you. So next one possibility of the Jags reaching out to Melvin Ingram. I mean, if they haven't yet, (laughs) it's like the same thing as Uche. It's like no one traded for Josh Uche. So like you shouldn't like expect the Jaguars to, or like be mad that the Jaguars didn't. It's like if no other team is signing signed Melvin Ingram at this point, then like why should or would the Jaguars? How how old do you think Melvin Ingram is right now? Thirty four. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so like that. No, so no, they're no, they're not going. They're not going to sign Melvin Ingram. Yeah. Carlos Dunlap. I I saw that. I might be like skipping ahead because maybe he was mentioned in a comment, but like Carlos Dunlap would be like the one like old free agent that I might like actually be interested in also 34 <laughs> <laughs> there you go all right what's one player you would take from any previous jaguars team and place on this one i got a good answer for you malik mm-hmm. jackson Ooh, yeah that interior pass he was like a key like ad right mm-hmm. before that 2017 thing too that, that he was such a good like pure like get up the field pass rusher as a three technique mm-hmm. like his peak wasn't very long but he could give you like eight to ten sacks, like as a pass rushing defensive tackle. I'm going. I'm going Malik. Hmm. Maybe Julius Thomas. No, I'm trying to think. Do they have like a really good? <laughs> <laughs> uh, like the split second of me being enraged. <laughs> Honestly, Jimmy Smith. I think like him or Keenan. Um, Cardell, like, I don't really have a strong stance on, like, which one would be better in, like, this offense or which one was better in general. But I think either of those two receivers, like, them, uh, one of those two, plus Ridley as, like, your perimeter guys and Kirk as your slot guy, Ingram and Etienne hanging around, like, that's a pretty nice uh, little starting five of skill position players. Hell, dude. Even if you put Alan Hearns on, like, this offense. <laughs> like, like, I mean, like, Spark or Alan Robinson, but, like, yeah, like Alan Hearns would like have a positive impact, <laughs> or at least yeah. like 2016 Alan Hearns. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. Okay, from faithful listener, friend of the show, Solly Duval Saul, 
The 49ers have scored 17 points in each of the last three games. Will they score over or under 17 against the fighting Mike Caldwells, a.k.a. the 85 Bears on Sunday? You heard it here first. The 49ers will score 16 points on Sunday. Mm. Don't ask me how many the Jaguars score. I'm still working that out. <laughs> but 49ers will score 16. And yeah, I will get tweets off. Uh, just I'm going to be monitoring the injury reports this week because uh, I know Trent Williams and Diva Samuel both missed at least the Niners' most recent game, if not more games before that. So, like, I'm Trent Williams. I'm both of them make such a big impact that, like, I almost feel like I can't really, like, give a real answer until, like, I have a better feeling of whether they'll play or not. But I think, like, 16 is, like, fairly reasonable, honestly. Like, Brock Purdy, like, shouldn't scare anyone, really. And, like, like Debo Samuel should scare some people, but Brock Purdy shouldn't. So, I like, I'll be surprised if they scored more than 24. I got a take. Okay. The Jaguars would be more likely to lose to Sam Darnold. <laughs> yeah, I was trying to think of a good Darnold take after that uh, seeing Ghost game. Mm-hmm. That'll be interesting. Hmm. That's right. Okay. Next question. With Walker slash Ezra <laughs> starting the left guard, do you think Press will call plays a little more aggressively and start to push down the field more? I think so. Like maybe a few more shots here and there, but I also yeah. think a part of that isn't even the offensive line. It's the fact that they don't have another guy across from Ridley. Yeah, it's like you could do like uh, like twelve and thirteen personnel, where like your only receivers on the field are like uh, Christian Kirk and or Calvin Ridley. But a lot of the times, it's like like with Zay Jones out, like who are you going to call a lot of like deep shots to? Because, yeah. uh, like, he was, like, even though, like, Ridley is obviously, uh, like, an, a big intermediate and deep threat, uh, like, he hasn't really caught, like, any – he's caught plenty of, like, 20-plus yard balls, but he hasn't really caught any, like, 35-plus yard balls. I feel like if there was, like, one player who would be doing that, it would be Zay Jones. I feel like he was, like, also that guy for them last year. So, like, I do think that there will be a slight in- uptick in uh, like downfield passing with better pass protection, like with Walker Little back in the lineup, but like I think like they need Walker Little and Zay Jones in the starting lineup to like really be uh, looking like a top tier offense. Yeah, I'm 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 definitely definitely with you. Okay, next question: Has the Jaguars' window or margin for error shrunk given the quarterbacks in the rest of the division? I mean, I, I just. I think they're just so far ahead already of where the Titans and Colts are in terms of franchises, like in their builds and trajectory. I think the Texans have definitely got on their tails a little bit quicker than they expected. I wouldn't say the margin of error has shrank. I'll just openly say it. I think Anthony Richardson rules. I perfectly expect the Colts to ruin him. I I have zero confidence in him with them. I, I, I just don't. Yeah. I, it is kind of like cool how in like the in one division there's like four potential franchise quarterbacks and like even if like it's too early to call like Levis and AR and even Stroud like a true franchise quarterback like they have like four of like the top 10 arms in the league at a minimum which is like pretty sweet i mean it's like unfortunate for the jaguars obviously but like i'm with you like they especially like for this current season they have like a little bit 
of an edge on every other team, even though they did like lose one of their two games to the Texans. Uh, like, I like it's definitely Jacksonville's division to lose this season. And then like going in the future, like we'll see, like certainly the Texans and Stroud look dangerous. And then like, I agree with you that AR is awesome, but like, I don't know. It's still very early. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you. All right. Next, next question. Player on the reserve list or practice squad most likely to make an impact this year. Cooper Hodges? Yeah. No, no, no. no, no I love no. that one. I don't think he sees the field now. Christian Braswell. Christian Braswell. Okay, good one. Okay, I'll amend my, like, the Hodges one to, like, he's, like, a future guy that you could see an impact from. Like, yeah. I think there's, like, a non-zero chance that, like, uh, he's, like, a starting guard for them next year. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. All right, here's one. How many GMs would you take over Balky? And I'm going to read you, like, a list of NFL GMs, and you basically say Balky or not, okay? Okay. Okay. Ziegler gets fired, obviously. Joe Schoen with the Giants, Balky clears. Okay. Ryan Poles, Christ, Balky clears. Yep. Monty Osenfort, don't have a take on. Omar Khan, he didn't pick Kenny Pickett, so – but I. I'd say Balky still probably clears right now. Uh, Ran Carthon with the Titans, Balky clears. Quessy, Balky clears. I don't. I don't care. He, I look. Look at his drafts, dude. He no. Yeah. George Padden, the most overrated GM in football, clears. Nick Casario, I think Balky clears. He he's had a million picks and that's why they have some talented players on their roster. But like, as much as I love Will Anderson, that process still obviously sucked. Uh, Scott Fitterer with the Panthers, the rare distinction of being the only GM who has lost a trade to Ryan Poles. So he, (laughs) he, he, wow, that's a good point. He's terrible, dude. He is. I think he's, I think he's the worst GM in, in football right now. I think it goes him. Small gap polls, small gap showing. I do feel for him a little bit because, like, I feel like it's pretty obvious that, like, the owner sways a lot of decisions in Carolina. But, like, I don't necessarily, like, disagree with anything you just said. I'm just – like, it's That's tough fair. when, like, ownership is, like, really on you. Or just Ron like, Rivera. Ron Rivera, Martin Mayhew, Trent Clears. Yeah. Terry Fontenot. Trent Clears, I think. Who's he jammed for? Falcons. They, they had a nice offseason. Like, he and the Steelers GM, Omar Khan, were, like, the only two names that I'll be, like, I don't know, maybe a toss-up. So, maybe we'll go with, like, one one right now. Find a quarterback, buddy. Okay. <laughs> Andrew Barry. I mean, that's another one where it's, like, did he trade for Deshaun Watson? Like every all the other moves besides Deshaun have looked. I don't know. Like they trade a they did trade a pick for Elijah Moore, and he hasn't really done anything. Yeah, so, so I'll I, say players. Okay, Chris Ballard. <laughs> he he is riding that Quentin Nelson All Pro rookie year high. I I think most overrated. I, did I already call somebody the most overrated GM in football? Mm-hmm. Okay, Chris Ballard is the second most. I think Balky clears Chris Ballard. Okay. Jason I, Litt. I, I don't disagree. 
What was the last name? Tampa Bay's Jason Licht. Is it Light? Uh, I, don't I think know. he's pretty good. I would I would take him over Baki. Okay. Joe Douglas. The third most overrated champ in football. Is <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's awful. He, Man, I'm, I'm sorry, the 2020 what 2022 Jets draft is so wild to look at. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with you. Great draft, but right. eventually him and Robert Jermaine Johnson thrown in there is so funny. Eventually, him and Robert Sala have to bear some responsibility for not fielding an NFL offense, right? Like, <laughs> like why was Zach Wilson your backup plan? Like Robert Robert Sala is like top five in odds for head coach of the year right now. Are you? I mean, yeah. he he is a good coach. I like him, but like he's a good defensive coordinator. Mm. Who they they made you hire Nate Hackett? Come on, but get out of here, pal. Get out of here. Mm-hmm. All right. Chris Greer, Miami Dolphins. Ooh, I'm a good Greer. Okay. Mickey Loomis, New Orleans Saints. I, I I have no idea what to think of Mickey Loomis. Like, I think he's like almost similar to Ballard, where he's like like riding on the curtails of like good drafts from a few years ago, and like I don't know, man. But like the Saints are like pretty pretty. It's, Counted still roster wise, pinning and Davenport though, and then the Olave trade. That's he, okay. he just makes so many stupid draft trades. I feel yeah, like, yeah, okay, you're right. He talks me off him, Eric DaCosta. That's obviously uh, Tom Telesco. So, in this, like, I'm reading like the NFL.com's ranking of GMs. Tom Telesco before season was number 12 on this list. Okay. Yeah, no, he's awful. He sucks. Yeah, he's terrible. Uh, Bill Belichick. <laughs> Don't, don't do it. Don't. Bill, you've been bulky ball. No. <laughs> I I refuse. There's no way I'll ever say that. Yeah. I, even as a bit, even as a joke, I will not be caught on air saying that I'd rather have Trent Balky over Bill Belichick. As a GM, we're not talking about the head coach. We're I, talking I about the care. GM. I don't care. I, I understand your point entirely. I don't care. What, was it the Taekwondo Thornton pick? Is that what is that what is selling you at the moment? Pretty much. Yeah. Okay. Good job, pal. All right. <laughs> Jerry Jones. <laughs> let's just no. say. Let's just say the Cowboys. Let's just say. Yeah. Nah. Nah. They. I take the Cowboys over Balky, right? Actually, yeah. I guess I was just like I thought Jerry Jones and I like laughed, but. No, they in hit, terms of Cowboys, yeah. They hit in the they hit in the draft. Like out, yeah, outside of outside of Taco and probably Maz I don't know how you say it, the bad nose tackle they took, they're really consistent in the first round. John Snyder. Uh Seahawks, right? Mm-hmm. He's been pretty good. Like if yeah. you asked me like two years ago, then yeah. like I feel like he hadn't really done anything recently, but Snyder's solid. The Packers GM. Gutenheimer. <laughs> Gutenkust. <laughs> they stink. Uh, Their roster stinks. Yeah. I had like higher expectations for them this season, but it, they took they took Stephen Hill in the second round and made Packers fans think he was good. So no. Have we been counting? What are we at? Like four ish? I thought you were counting. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> I think we're like we're at probably like seven. Okay, yeah. Okay, 
Brad Holmes. I, I would take Brad Holmes. Yeah, Brad seems good. Here's a toughie. Les Snead. Hmm. Yeah, I think they like draft fairly well. Like, I think that was like an uh, like smaller story than it should have been for like their Super Bowl one. Is because like obviously they like traded for Von Miller, uh, traded for or picked up Odell, whatever they did for him, uh, and like made obviously traded for Jalen Ramsey and made all these like huge moves to go on a Super Bowl run. But like it was like not a stars and scrubs roster because like their scrubs were actually like rookies who were performing pretty well. So that's good. Good point. Yeah. I think right, I wait. think uh less need clears there. All right. So let's go ahead and say we're at nine. Okay. Uh okay. the 49ers, John Lynch slash Kyle Shanahan. I would say I'd rather have John Lynch, but not uh, Kyle Shanahan. Shanahan no. Thinks- <laughs> no, 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 no. Oh, contrary, my friend. I'd still probably take both of them. Shanahan makes some, like, iffy decisions. Uh, like, not just the Lance thing, but, like, I mean, they like, there's been a couple running backs that they, like, took early. Like, uh, what's that guy from Ohio State? I remember everyone being, like, so obsessed with that Sermon guy. Yeah, and, like, yeah. they, they – like, they tr- paid Jarek McKinnon like a billion dollars a few years ago. And then like he did get hurt before signing with the Chiefs, but like he like Shanahan makes some like interesting decisions personnel wise. Yeah, they they have the same hit rate on running backs that Volky does in the draft. Definitely. <laughs> Brandon Bean. Yeah, Bean seems like a good GM. Okay. So that's ten. No, nah, well, that's eleven. Yeah. Duke Tobin. Four. Cincinnati. Oh, yeah, I would take him. Yeah, so, all right, that's 12. And then Brett Veach. Yeah, you got to. He, he, people kill him for the wide receiver stuff, which I get, but he's drafted really well otherwise. And, like, as we're, like, about to see with the Jaguars over the next couple of years, like, managing a roster, like, as you're transitioning from rookie uh, rookie, co- rookie quarterback contract to, like, mega superstar quarterback contract is a lot easier said than done so like for sure yeah all right and then howie that i don't even need to be said so i think it's safe to say balky is like the 16th or 17th best gm in football okay yeah yeah there you go yeah i'm glad we did that that. is there a half season vet out there that makes sense for the jaguars to add i mean i got i got two names for you NFL free agents available. I got I got two names for you. Kenny Galladay. Mortavis Bryant. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I I love the idea of Kenny Galladay, but I think the reality would be pretty harrowing. And then like I haven't mar- heard Martavius Bryant's name and like feels like my lifetime. He worked out for a team this week. Really? Mm-hmm. Then maybe that's a good one. Who do you work out with? Don't know. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> I can tell you. <laughs> um, he worked yeah. out with the Cowboys. I guess Carlos Dunlap I mentioned earlier. Did you see – didn't Carson Wentz just sign with the Rams? Did you see that? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Carson Wentz. Your aunt would, would he have been here? No, it's funny because like I was I was thinking about him like a couple of days ago. I was like, I can't believe that like 
especially with like Dobbs being moved at the trade deadline. I was like, I forgot about Carson Wentz. Like, I wonder if like he just has no interest whatsoever. But I feel like he's like now like late career Bortles, where he's just like gonna go hang out in Los Angeles for a little bit for the for the heck of it. Apparently, he's been like doing stuff with John Gruden all off season. So get Mm -hmm. those two in a room and ask them their political beliefs. (laughs) (laughs) That'd be some good TV. Or don't. Or don't. Or don't. don't. (laughs) Okay, Carlos Dunlap is my final answer <laughs> even though it'd be just as bad as any other other names we've said i'm right. assuming like i feel like some people are curious about chandler jones i'm assuming that like no team is like even nope. gonna like want to ask about him like just now that's sick that's yeah. like a sick thought like no nah, get some help dude, get some help, dude. <laughs> I, I, I like to think that the people who are asking about him like don't know the whole story <laughs> I know. I should know better. I should know better. Why do they think he's available? <laughs> there you go. Yeah, fair enough. Well, Gus. Oh, that's that was, it? Yeah. Man, I was, was good. in the groove. That was fun. Yeah, that was good. Well, that's one of our longest episodes. You uh, you got anything for us before we boogie out? No, I've got, I've got some good uh, numbers for the Niners game, but I'll save that for our later in the week pod. Yeah, we'll we'll be back later in the week on Friday at some point to preview Jaguars versus the fighting Brock Purdy's. But until then, John Shipley, my co-host Gus Loeb, thank you guys for joining us, and we'll be back next time.